there are several times um, Kola had tried to tell Simi that, oh, I'm having feelings for you. I'm starting to like you. But Simi would just notice the mood. She would dismiss him. And the poor boy would be confused. And it's because Simi just didn't tell him, you know, about the consequence of her liking a human person. Hello, novels and bits listener. How are you doing? Oh my gosh, it's been a whirlwind. Well, look at how it's been for me. I have been low on liquid cash. And honestly, one, especially when you live in Nigeria or just generally in life, that is, is sort of security money gives. Let's not deny it. And honestly, at this moment, I don't have it. But it's good. You know, funny thing is, I just feel like I can trust God in this. And okay, I think it also helps knowing that, oh, I've done some jobs, I might get some money to get by on and all of that. But most importantly, what I am really hinging on is that trust in God that he's going to take care of me. And then there's also the fact that no matter what is going on, I can be optimistic. I can choose to be optimistic. I can choose to like, oh, I'm enthusiastic. Oh, I'm creating something new. I can choose to say that, ah, at least I have data. <laughs> at least like my side is fair. You know, I don't have to like go around looking to charge my phone or leaving the house and all that so much. So I really appreciate those little things. And this is just me kind of reminding you that you can do this too. You know, you don't have to wait for anything special. So, yay. Thanks for, like, letting me riff for a bit. Okay, so today is the Patri. Like, it's not, it's not Patri. We're still on one story, skin of the sea. But it's also long because it's a fantastical world. And I had to, like, take so much time to talk about the world building and stuff. But today, we're finally ending it. You know, we introduced, first of all, Simi, her mission, how she saved the boy. And then in on Thursday's episode, we went with her on her journey to try to find the rings, only for her to get to the Babalawa's place, and then the rings were no longer there. And then now they have a new mission to... They have to go to Issa's Island. That's the part where I'm on. So on our way to Issa's Island, um, Simi went to ask Alokan for his help, like the god of the land of the dead. Land of the dead simply means that dead bodies, you know, where dead bodies come to rest, like physical bodies, you know, underneath the sea and all that. So this is the point of the story where we at. I know she didn't tell others that she went there, that she met the guy. So why was she keeping it from them? So all of those are ba- things were about to happen. And come on, it's Essex Island. It's a very treacherous place. So with without further ado, yes, I was thinking of it with or without. Okay, so without further ado, let's finish this story once for all. Okay, so part three. Simi promised to help him if he helped her because when she asked to went to ask Olokun for help he was like okay I'll help you if you'll help me then Olokun whispered what he wanted in her ears and then his words dripped with venom and revenge Simi agreed to his demands and then they reached a deal she rested in the water for some time because you know in human form she's weaker and then her legs easily pain her so she just rested for some time before returning to the ship and by the time she returned to the ship like you know the first light of daytime and she was like oh my god I spent more time in the sea than I wanted to and it was Yinka who helped her up the rope ladder and which means Yinka saw her transform back to a human 
you know, but from the mummy water from so she kind of knew, oh my girl, this girl knows who I am right now. And remember her and Yinka haven't exactly gotten along the best. Yinka was initially cold to her, but they've been, you know, slow, slow making progress. Then Kola informed her, you know, that you know, when she got on ship, Kola straight up said, Oh, when we, we all woke up and found you gone, I had to tell the others something. So I had to tell them that you're mummy water. Simi didn't like it. And honestly, I didn't like it to like, who are you, Kola, to tell the others what I am? But the truth is, had he not said anything, they would ask questions when she returned. And honestly, they were just worried about her. She was like, they were worried about me? He was like, yes, yes, of course they were. Now, look at the thing here. Kola said Yinka and Bem, you know, and he just accepted Ifedayo because of his father. You know, Ifedayo is a guy that the father sent with him and said, I'll be more... I'll be more at ease if I know that this Ifedayo person is going with you than if you're just going alone and you just came back from almost dead, right? So that's what happened. They did get. So they were worried about her. And then the others accepted um, Simi for Mami Water and it relieved her because she felt ashamed for what she was. And I just feel this is that case of people not like liking to stand out. I just want to like riff a bit on that for like 30 seconds. Please stand out. Every single person you admire are there because they stood out. So for Simi right now, because she's in the midst of humans, the only like seven mummy water, she's the last of them. So she's feeling ashamed of being mummy water. Meanwhile, that is such a thing of pride. Imagine you had like the seventh, the last, the, you know, your race is only seven. You're thing and you're ashamed of it. But then that's just life and humans. You're ashamed of your gifts. Stop. Just come out with it already. Let's celebrate you. We want to see you. So moving on from that, just to demonstrate a sign that she accepted Simi, Yinka agreed to spar with her. She invited her to spar with her. So they sparred. And then Yinka is really good at fighting. So Simi had to ask, where did you learn to fight? And then Yinka said that it's her mother who taught her. Her mother was trained as one of the Ahoshi. I'm definitely probably not pronouncing this right. And this Ahoshi means protectors of the king. So Ahoshi, just imagine the female warriors in Wakanda. They get all those fierce women. That's the kind of warriors the Ahoshi were. So how her mother came to Oko was that she was washed up on the beach. On the beach, and she did not really talk about what really happened. And that, but Yinka's, Yinka's father was the one who found her. They married, and you know they raised her. They just died like the previous year from a sickness. So as a group closer to the island, everybody fought nerves. You know, this is Asus Island, right? So Ifedayo's way of coping with the nerves was making jokes at how Asus reception would look like. He would not roll out red carpet, surely, and da, da, da. And then Isa, Isa that they sent home. Remember Isa, that, yo, that young Yombo boy that they sent home after shouting at him and everything, like he should not come with them. Even his grandfather said, come back here. Uncle hid inside the ship, the hold of the ship. He hadn't gone home. So he refu- he revealed himself while they were close to the island. And obviously, they can't send him back or anything. So he has to go along with them. He was like, yes, good. I want to fight. Ah, say tiny human being. Okay. They did not have choice now. He followed them. Again, if Ifedayo got sarcastic as a near the island, as Ifedayo got sarcastic as a near the island, in all their eyes, he communicated the same thing, that they shouldn't have brought him along because of that personality. Like, why not taking this seriously? Everybody's fighting nerves right here. You're not supposed to be, like, making a plaything out of this. But that was just his way. So once they reached the show, everybody was silent because you need to see this for us. It was so airy, like... You know how they, they do evil forests in Nigeria movies? That's how it is. And then it was misshaping somehow. Like the forest had broken and it had fallen back and it's, it's entangled. Then 
having studied the map on Simi's head multiple times, the one that uh, Yinka plated now, Kola led them northeast. They were careful not to touch the fruits because it was dripping venom. They had to watch where they were stepping. Simi looked up, you know, in the middle of them walking through the forest. Simi looked up. She was just chilled at the revelation that the forest gave an illusion of being in a cage. Monkeys screamed, bats screeched in a way that was human-like, unease filled the air. And Simi's legs started hurting again. But soon they came upon a river. And Nisa was like, don't be ashamed of what you are. Just put your legs in so I can feel better. So, and others actually admired her when she'd now just relax and put her legs in. And then Yinka even came and they talked, they had this conversation about feeling like a different person. Yinka was like, how does it feel like to transform? And then she too said that she feels like she transforms. Like Yinka feels like she's a different person whenever she's fighting and all of that. So they bonded over that talk. So after they left the river, they continued walking until sunset. These are people that got there like early in the morning. So it was nighttime when they encountered a, a pack of large hyenas. Like it's, it's, you know, it's the kind of hyenas that, you know that this is not normal. It's like three times the size of what a normal hyena should be. And Simi tried to control them because, you know, she can control sharks and waters and creatures in the waters. But hyenas on land, do you understand? So they even laughed at her and they started attacking. Everybody got hurt from this attack, especially Bem, who a hyena bit on the tie. However, when a hyena climbed on Yinka, he retreated. So it turns out the hyenas were shapeshifters, they ca- but they can't remain in their human form for long. They sensed that Yinka was skin and they couldn't attack him. Their race was known as Boltonjin. Please, just take me as I am, Boltonjin. You know? <laughs> so that's what the race is known as. The, the Boltonjin are known as people who can transform into hyenas. Asu bound them to protect the island. But even with that, they can't kill those who have their blood. And Yinka apparently has their blood somehow. So they urge the group to run away quickly from them because they, they lose control of their change. You understand? And before the group could get far away enough, obviously, now people, you know this kind of thing, you just came out of hot fight, everything is high tension, you're still staring at these people like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm encountering you people. So it's just such a test moment that nobody's really running so fast and the bog on 10 people changed again to hyenas and then they gave the group a hot chase. The group ran into this cave, the bog on 10 followed and then the passage of the cave was hot. There was lava flowing on the path parallel to the one they were on. It's not quite opposite, like the other side of the lane you know, it's lava. So you can imagine. It's really risky. That's what they were working on. So if I was the one leading the way, and on the side, they were supposed to come out of the cave. There was a border in the way. So Bem, if Dayo and Kola had to, you know, put combine efforts to push the boat out of the way enough so they could pass, not completely, just enough that they could go through. Behind them, Yinka was the one that had to stand between them and the Borgontain because obviously they found out that the Borgontain will not kill her since they are kin. But we don't fully know that because these guys don't exactly have control over their forming. Their humanity is, is, is been taken from them. They're more animals than humans. But, but still, she's the best chance they had. So she's the one who had to stand between them, the, between the Borgontin and her friends. So she was calm, even though her ass, because from attacking, her ass fell into the lava because it's really close on the other road and the hyena was attacking her. She just asked the others to go on without her. So once everyone had come out on the other side, if Edayo had to, you know, allow the boulder to roll in place so that the Borgontin would not come after them now. Issa cried. 
Yinka was gone like that. So after mourning Yinka and using up the last of the powder, their bada powder for their injuries, their wounds and bleeding became a dull ache and they, and they continued on that journey. So Ifedayo led the way and soon they came upon a bridge leading to Asus Palace. It was seated on top a black rock and it was enormous. To cross the bridge, they needed to solve the puzzle on the bridge. There were images carved on the stones of the bridge that told the story. And if the correct story of the bridge was told by stepping on the right stones, they could cross. If they stepped on the wrong ones, labs of stone will keep disappearing from the edge until the bridge will become uncrossable. So Simi guessed that, oh, what kind of story would Esu want to tell? He was like, oh, he wants to tell the story of how he outsmarted Oludumari and became his messenger. So remembering her mother telling these stories, because her mother used to tell was like a village storyteller. Simi started. Esu sneaked into Oludumari's garden. He stole yarns from the god's head. Oludumari was furious about this. And since Esu didn't want to be caught, he took Oludumari's slippers and put them on, using them to make footprints in the garden the next night as he stole more yams. He made it look as if it was only Oludumari who walked around the garden. Simi got stuck here and they were halfway across the bridge. Like, she got stuck at this point of telling the story. She was stuck because the next thing she had to choose, the next thing she had to step on was the Olodumari slippers. There were two options. One that was intricate and then a plain slipper. She contemplated for a while. She chose the intricate, elaborate one. Obviously, it's the wrong one. If there's anything we've learned from childhood stories, whenever they say rich and poor, which one is a good one? The rotten apple or the one that is fine? It's always that rotten one or that very simple one. I mean, he's God. He doesn't need to prove himself by being all fancy. It's humans that get caught up in that rubbish. But, so, obviously, the answer was a simple one. And she was just mad at herself, like, ah, oh, stupid, stupid. Like, because as she missed the answer, one stone receded. One stone went inside, obviously. So, the space that they'll have to jump on after telling the story is now wider. And beneath it, if you don't jump the thing correctly, like the fall into the sea below is very, like, very far. Imagine, like, the heights is very far, the bridge. Ah, so you might not even make it to fall inside the sea safe. You know, we are thinking, even see that I see me that is my water is like, ah, she doesn't even know if she can survive the drop from that place into the sea. Talk more of the humans with that. Do you understand? So it's, you know, the risk is so much. And to make matters worse, because Auntie's already mad at herself that, oh, I should have just gotten this thing right. I should have known that is the simple slippers that Little Mario will have. And why should she trying to just wrap her head around it? Large winged bass started flying towards them. So after choosing the simple slipper, Simi just had to continue with the story. She had to force herself to keep going. So Asu showed Olodumari the Supreme God's own footprints and suggested that he had stolen the yams. Like, so Simi caught sight of the creatures. They had giant wings, the wings that came as she's trying to continue. Their claws were as long as her arms. They had a muscular body that was both fold. It had four and it was muscular. Their face was both bat-like and strangely human. Just weird creatures. Their size was also twice of Cola, like they're big. And these creatures, their name is Sasabonsam. We've already met the Bol- Bolton Jane, now is a Sasabonsam. Do you understand? So the boys focused on defending the group, while Simi focused on finishing the story. So Olodumari was annoyed and confused that they missed something, and that's how he now ordered Asu to visit the sky each and every night to tell him what had happened on earth that day. That way, Asu became messenger to Olodumari. They had to jump from that stone. Because of the part that the stone had receded, like there was no more stone there, so everybody jumped. But Ben couldn't make it because more stones just started now receding fast, and then the gap got bigger, so he had to run backwards away, you know, the way they came from and hide. So another Sasabonsam attacked Simi and the others. Like Simi, the only people now left is Simi, Kola, uh, Isa, and um, Ifedayo. So 
they tried to stop the wink and the hat. So they're like, Kola, Kola will stop the wink. Simi will stop the hat. But it was hard. And then the Sasabonsam now clawed Simi's shoulder. It was now bleeding. It now beat into Kola's forearm. Now Isa bravely slides Sasabonsam's cheek. Then, you know, you know, Isa is tiny. Then he picked Isa up, killed him, just literally picked him in his teeth and <coughs> broke the guy apart. The sparkle of Isa's soul floated out. And everybody was on despair. So content with what the, the damage it had done, the Sasabonsam swore into the night. So down with grief, Simi was too worried to go on. So it's actually like, if a diode that said, if we need to go on or this creature, you know that this creature is going to come back back. So they had to step, to step, there was a bronze door now that they had to pass through, like to get into Esu's palace proper. But they needed to solve puzzles again. There were images of Esu, Esu on the door at different points. In one, he was standing in the center of the crossroads. So they decided to push all the crossroads. Esu pushed, um, sorry, Simi pushed east and west. Kola pushed north and south. So the doors opened to them and they were finally in Esu's palace. Kola closed the door and they walked inside. He was so heavy with grief. Like to console him, Simi was like, Don't worry, we'll find the twins and the rings, and then we can mourn Isa afterwards. In the hallway, there were columns spaced equally apart, decorated with all the riches. Isu's depiction had two faces, and others had one one face. Everybody's one was there. Like all the orishas, all 400 orishas, that their, their columns were there, you know, their statues and all that. But then Isu's depiction had two faces, and Simi was like, What does this mean? They now came to double doors of orange and yellow citrine, like sha double doors, and then they went in, and that room was Isu's throne room. And then they were not obviously there was nobody in the room now, and they were not, but they were now hearing um, voice talking to them, Isu's voice talking to them out of now and everywhere. Then Isu now finally revealed himself to be none other than Ifedayu. So all the while since they started this journey to Isu's island, Isu was with them. Can you imagine? Ha! So his rapper transformed, you know, he was taller, his voice was deeper, his limbs thicker, he was no longer skinny. And to Simi, his limp made sense now, because if you die, your limbs. So what his limp meant is one foot in the human world and the other in Olodumaris. Again, Simi blamed herself for not realizing sooner. She demanded to know why he toyed with them. He explained he'd known of her quest since they encountered um, Shango. Somebody corrected me. So the correct pronunciation for um this god, this Orisha is Sh- is Shango, not Sango. And he told them of the jewel at her throat. It's Shango that told them Isu of the jewel at um, Simi's throat. So Isu tried to sow this unity between Kola and Simi by revealing to Kola because Kola didn't know because you know that several times um, Kola had tried to tell Simi that oh I'm having feelings for you I'm starting to like you but Simi would just notice the mood she would dismiss him and the poor boy would be confused. And it's because Simi just didn't tell him, you know, about the consequence of her liking a human person. So it was not Esu that told Kola that, ah, if Simi ever asked on her love for you, she'll become full on the sea. He was, she was, he was expecting that Kola would get mad. Why didn't you tell me? But Kola was just calm. And then seeing that he didn't get the reaction he wanted, Esu started laughing. You know, so they now asked about the twins. Esu said they're safe. However, he had underestimated Kane. The Kane is a smart twin, the second one, the girl. Because she hid her own ring on the way there and she won't tell him where she hid it. It was for this reason to find K in this ring that he went to Oko, but it was useless. I'm not going to lie. Esu was like pretty laid back in this scene. In different circumstances, he's almost like it, but as if you like Loki. But in this situation, we hate him. You understand? So Kola asked Esu, why is that you crave so much? Why do you crave so much power? They cost us so much lives. 
And he said that, so it was like, Lord Mary rained powers on earth as if they were nothing. Orisha scrambled in the dirt to collect what they could. To him, it's like to Esu, it just wasn't fair that those who use their powers loudly enjoyed the adoration of humans and bestowed powers and blessings. Bestowed powers and blessings. Meanwhile, he, him, had to keep the Adjogun away and be a common messenger. And while he's doing this, look at mankind, they're just doing whatever they want. So, after all this is ranting and everything, I was like, you know what? You call us safe. Since you're here, I'll use you as leverage, like ransom now, so I can collect the location of the ring from Kende. So this effect, he started attacking Kola, who bravely prevented his blows. He attacked Simitu, but she danced away from his attack and she stayed next to Kola. Dorosha was just entertaining himself with them because he knows he can finish them in one blow. Then next thing, Kola turned to Simi and, she, and he was like, go and find the twins. Then he met Esu head on in a fight to give Simi a chance to get away. Kola was so strong and fast that that Esu and Simi, they were surprised. Kola had to be like, Simi, go! Because she was not watching, like, you know, this kind of thing. I wrote that to a spot. They can't find the twins. And by the time he said this again, he was already bleeding from a wound Esu had just inflicted on him. So Simi ran. She found a spiral staircase. Each step was like walking on hot coals. Her shoulders hot from that place. The Sasabonsam, you know, clawed it. It was a long walk. It seemed unending. She even paused at the point. Felt as if her chest was on fire. She was weak. She was wheezing. Like, she was crying. Like, oh my god, this is down. Um, Kola is downstairs he's fighting Esu but she finally got to a room that was roofless the edge opened up you know the, the up above you can see the stars because it was already night and beneath it you can see the sea like if you go to the edge of that room so it's like dropping straight into the sea the twins were held in a cage in that room so see me they couldn't have been older than eight or nine years old they were so small. So Kende was cautious. Why Taiwo got excited the moment he heard that Kola was there. Kende told Simi that Isu can't take her ring away from her without permission. And he can't trick it from her since she didn't have it. <laughs> Very smart girl. So the cage was locked and Isu had the key. So Simi tried to find something to smash that key place open. But then she heard the scrape of a blade and leaden footstep. So Simi readied herself to fight Isu. But it was a bloody Kola. He rushed over and had the key to open the cage. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Like how can he just have Okay. So, Kola said Esu was coming. Then Simi, like, oh, hurry, hurry. Simi never said she collected the key. She opened the cage. The twins rushed to Kola's side. Taiwo was crying. Why can't they watch this Kola with a frown? Like, she was watching this Kola with a frown. Like, do you get This guy is smart. Next, he was like, Kende, where's your ring? She hesitated to answer. Like, and together, they had the drag of steel on stone and someone else coming up. So, Kola kept demanding from Kende where her ring was. Simi was like, ah, ah, that Kola. He was like, he now shouted at her, be quiet. And his eyes were darker than she remembered. So with incoming danger, Simi was just like, can we at least get the twins to safety? But, com- but the so-called incoming danger was Kola, the real Kola. Simi felt stupid that Esu had tried to trick her again or had tricked her again. And she rushed to the real Kola's side. He was so injured that she even wondered how he, he, cl- he managed to climb the stairs. Yet in that state, this Baba still stood before the Risha to defend his loved ones. Esu dealt Kola a deadly blow after Kola slashed his chest. Simi felt despair sipping in. As she watched Kola in his barely alive state, Esu knew he had the group backed into a corner. There was no other way to run. That's when he started talking, like bad guys normally do when they feel they've won. He said he couldn't be content with being a mouthpiece, a joker, and the keeper of balance between the Adragoon and Orishas. He needed more. So he wanted to be the most powerful Orisha. Look at, look at the thing here. Orishas are governed by Olodumare, their conduct. So they don't have true freedom to just use their powers anyhow they want. Do you get to either to rule or to be worshipped or to reward and discipline those who deserve punishment? However, if Esu had these rings, he could actually be an independent acting Orisha. Or rather, that's what he believes and he would not be under Olodumari's decree. 
He believed that he can fully influence humans and Orisha. So what could be more powerful than that? Simi reminded Asu that, see, so far, even the powers you have, you've only used it for wicked purposes that had brought that has brought division of the world. He didn't even pass on prayers of people or Orishas, not Olokun's pleas to have his case head. Ah uh-uh. ah, has the guy not tried? So a crime he did, he's been punished for 1,000 years. No hope of coming out of it. He asked him, Esu, can you go to um, Olodumari for me and plead my case? Also, no do. Is it Yemoja's messages of atonement? He never sent it. Yes, he punished her because he was jealous that she was able to create Mami Mota and he wasn't. He didn't care about protecting anyone, although he claimed he would protect those who bowed to him instead of Olodumari. Man, I completely hate this guy. He reminds me of, of Nigerian politicians. You know, as far as where you are already, you are doing bad things that is glaring for all the world to see. But you're saying, eh, if you give me so-and-so office, I will change. Eh? The one you, you have, we have not seen goodness. Is you want to enter a bigger position and create more havoc, Abby? So he claimed he wouldn't forsake those who worshipped him. But he had, but he, had, he already had forsake, for, um, forsook many people with his jealousy and desire for more power. Asu still played with them for some time. Oh. He kicked Kola in the ribs, strangled him, let him drop to the floor like potatoes. He threatened that if Kane didn't tell him where her ring was, he would skin Kola alive. Simi tried to fight, but she was weak. Then Asu propositioned her. He said he'd make her human if she complied with his demands. Simi remembered how he felt to be with Kola, and she considered what Asu was offering. But then she remembered that Asu was a trickster, and he did not care for anybody. If there was truly a way to be human again, she had to find it on her own later. So as her last bargaining chip, Simi said she knew where Kende's ring was. Kende threw the ring into the sea, and even Kende did not know where it landed or who had it, but Simi knew. She said she would tell him where this ring was if he answered her riddle. Asu was a master of riddles, and Simi was aware of this. Her riddle went does. I exist to be discovered, but cannot be fully explored. I am ever-changing, yet born of the same. Some say that I lead only to Lodomari. What am I? Asu found the riddle too easy. He had traveled the world. He had seen cold seas with their icy bites and ships that shattered in the freezing depth. He had seen canopies of forests as vast as the ocean, shattered stars in the, star- in the sky, and absorbed unspeakable knowledge. So the greatest mathematicians had passed their knowledge to him too. And daring lay the answer to the riddle. The world is full of repeating patterns that we discover in nature and that we create. Because of this, the one true path that leads to Lodumari is infinity. That's the answer, infinity. Actually, this whole thing like the writer the reason she uses riddle is that you know when the oyibo people first came to um us here in africa they saw our patterns like our houses all those patterns we use on our houses our hair plates our rapan the tie-dye and they thought it was it, it lacked order that it was just um what what am i what am i going to say like you know when they say um like uh Chicken na 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 bana like they thought it was just this order, but actually, Africans discovered the concept of infinity before European mathematicians did. So years later, they discovered it and they think, oh, okay, now that they're seeing that we actually had a lot of order before they ever came to us. So this is a beautiful part of history to note: infinity. You understand? And honestly, that concept of infinity is something I love so much personally. Do you get? So that's the answer to that riddle. So as Asu was talking, the sea was behind him. And Simi prepared her mind to do something drastic. Once he answered the riddle, and he down, he now threw his head back to laugh to the heavens now. Bad guys. She just very predictable. She wrapped herself around him and she threw both of them over the edge into the sea. In the heat of this moment, Simi remembered her last moment her last moment as a human. You know, Simi does not remember how she became Mami Water, just as she was reborn. So what happened was that on the ship that she was on, 
Simi had wounded the Oibo for their cruel acts of, to- of tossing the eel and punishing to the sea as though they were nothing. And then, because she had wounded them now, so the punishment would be severe, and she, but she was just angry. She just went to the edge of the sea herself. She was just looking at them. Before they had the chance to push her, she threw herself in. So it is in, that, in those last moments that Yemoja came to her and gave her choice to become Mami Wata. So Simi had actually tried to commit suicide. So all this was happening at night time. Like, you know, this was night time that this whole show thing, this whole thing was going down. So Simi sunk Esu into the sea. They were battered by rocks on the way, falling in. But before Simi could bleed or hurt, the sea healed her. Because the moment she drops into, like, she, at some point something slashed her. But before it could bleed, she entered water, the thing healed. Do you understand? So Esu was alarmed because he's not Mami Water. He doesn't have powers of the water. So, you understand? So, and now that they were in the sea, Simi had the upper hand. She was trying to stab her. She dodged his attacks. She laughed at him. She dragged him by his ankle to the bottomest part of the sea. It was trying to strangle her. She was just laughing at him through the pain. She commanded elves because she has command over creatures of the water to wrap his body. And they now, it's the elves that pulled his grip from her neck. She now commanded her to bite him. Let me tell you about an elves bite. It's like a thousand soldier ants on your skin. It is agony. Lately, recently, I've had, unfortunately, a few soldier ants have bit me in recent weeks. And I am telling you, it's not funny. You know, when we are younger, when we used to cry from it, it is legit to be cried over. Because even as adults, sometimes the stink of it can stay for like hours like the worst of it definitely fades in a few minutes but the stink can stay in out for hours so jaan's pain so that's an elf's bite and a thousand of it was on Esu's body he deserves it so simi's hair hid many things but you know it was hiding the dagger that Yemoja gave her and that thing it was hiding was a black pearl she released it to the seabed and she released it to call for help so while she was waiting for that help to come she messed with she messed with Esu big time she gave him three slashes on each cheek that he gave to Yemoja those same slashes but after he got free and tried to swim up for air he wasn't even he wasn't even focusing on attacking her he just wanted to go up where he has power she waited for him so much reached the surface and then she dragged him back down good girl i love revenge Esu was busy trying to strangle simi again as she was dragging him down so he didn't notice olokun come be- behind him and use his chains no olokun has this chains that's been bounding him from a millennia he used that same chain to wrap Esu. Esu, like Olokun dealt with Esu big time for not passing on his messages and for trying to trick his way into gaining the powers of the sea. He had tried to use Olokun's punishment. Eh, oh, you see, I punished. Oh, yeah, give me the powers of the sea, then I'll help you. Eh, who are you playing with? We, we know you, Esu, we know you. So Olokun came before Simi summoned, like, because Simi summoned him with a black pearl he gave up. So he would hold Esu in the bottom of the sea until Olodumari intervened. So Esu will now be held captive in the sea where he does not have power. The only person who can save him, Olodumari. You have to summon him eventually. So Orishas could trump over one another because on her own, Simi could not have bound an Orisha like Esu. But another Orisha can bind another Orisha. Do you get? Actually, when they catch him off guard now, like in Esu's case. So Olokun was okay in this ring. You know, he's one that was okay in this ring. So he gave it to Semi and then she promised to keep her promise. She promised to keep, yes, her promise. Because, she pro- you know, he had said, so if I help you, what will you do for me in return? And she was like, anything you want. And he had whispered what he wanted. But she said, don't worry, I'll keep my promise because you helped me. She was sorrowful because what she's, what she, the promise she made is a really heavy one. But she had to bury the emotion. So she rushed back to Ace's palace, although the skin... Esu strangled like that her neck um, Esu strangled had not fully healed yet 
She needed to have stayed in the scene longer to heal, but she couldn't afford it. She had to go back to Kola's side. And then the moment Kola saw her, because this guy was barely hanging on to life, he just died. Smith didn't cry. She was like, I, I can't cry. She just carried Kola's head, placed it in her lap, and she watched his soul escape his body. His soul was beautiful. And as Simi touched the strands, because it's like silver, like with gold, like gold threads around it. As she touched the strands, she saw all of Kola's memories. His last one was of her after she transformed and he saw her as courageous. In his eyes, she was more than Mami Watani girl. But that was when Simi was feeling ashamed of herself. But in his eyes, then as he was looking at her, I was like, man, this girl is courageous. She's more than just Mami Watani. She's just so beautiful. And Simi was just so hesitant to collect his soul. Like, because collecting his soul felt so final, like accepting that he's dead. That's when she recalled the rings and Babalawo and the Babalawo's words. The twins had abundance and life that blessed lands and people's health. With the rings, those powers were enhanced. She called them forward and they placed their hands on his chest while wearing their rings. So Simi prayed for Kola to stay and leave. The twins prayed too, and then the gold bands shone, like the bands of the ring. So in the end, Colasso returned to his body, beautiful. So it took a few minutes of heart-wrenching wait. You know that moment in movies where waiting, did he make it, did he make it? And then he now breathes, and then he now opened his eye. You know that dramatic slow moment. So in the early morning, Simi now finally wore the two rings, and then she now prays Olodumare for his forgiveness. She said the prayer that Yemoja taught her, and then the rings bond her and brightened her fingers. So Yemo, Yemo, um, Olodumare showed her, like, I've forgiven you, because he just showed her all of her memories and all the beauty, even as Mami Water, he understood all her desperation. She was just filled with peace, and the rage was gone. This, is, this was just such a beautiful moment. So Simi returned the rings to the twins and informed Kola that Isu was bound by Olokan. She explained that, oh, that time I said I didn't see him. I actually saw him, but he asked me not to tell anyone because she couldn't be sure of anyone. And that had worked to the advantage because imagine if they each had said I went to Olokan and Isu had heard it. He would have known what he was going inside the water for. Do you understand? So, and because he was in their midst now, disguised as if a dio. So Olokun knew. He gave sound counsel. So Kola was worried about what Simi has to do in return for Olokun. Like, what was the price? After hesitating, she now finally told him that I agreed to keep Olokun company in the land of the dead. So it's here that Kola and Simi said goodbye. Honestly, I cried. Because there was that moment of, no, you don't have to do that. And she was like, it's the only way. And then he didn't want Simi to go. She didn't want to go, but she had to. And to make things easier, she just dived into the sea without a last goodbye. Like, from that edge. You know, it was really dramatic. And that's the end of the book. That's the end of the skin of the sea. <laughs> At least Esu was bound. Oh my gosh. So I really want to read the main story that inspired all Little Mermaids, the one that Hans Christian Andersen wrote. That one doesn't have a good ending, but I still want to read it. Skin of the Sea, I already said, is set in the mid-1400s, mid, um, the 15th century. To me, the last name means follow me home. There's a lot of African mythology in the story. I admire the writing a lot. There's a second book, Soul of the Deep. And just stick around. We'll talk about this in a few months. So Skin of the Sea is a blend of history, myth, and fiction. And I have observed that my favorite genre is romantic historical fiction. This is the first time I'm actually admitting this, but I've noticed a pattern in my reading. Because come Monday, mm, 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 okay, whatever story you say, shall we are going to have it just. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.